This is Consumed, a scrappy little podcast about life and flavor. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a food and wine writer on California's Central Coast. Season two is sponsored in part by Slow Life Magazine. Slow Life shares the happenings, stories, and personalities that bring San Luis Obispo County to life. I love writing the food column for the magazine, meeting the people behind my plate, and sharing it with readers. Check your mailbox every other month for inspiring stories about folks you want to get to know, places you want to see, and flavors you want to taste. To learn more about how you can get Slow Life delivered to your door, visit slowlifemagazine.com. James Sparks is not a likely winemaker. Raised in Idaho in the Church of Latter-day Saints, James questioned Mormon teachings into adulthood. One of those teachings says that Latter-day Saints are not to drink alcohol. Well, James had already walked away from the church somewhat before he started helping out at Dragonette Cellars in Santa Barbara County, but getting into wine closed the deal. Today, he's winemaker for Liquid Farm out of Lompoc, and he has his own label called King's Carry, which focuses on single varieties and single vineyards across the Central Coast. James brought me a few bottles of King's Carry, hooray, and told me about growing up on a farm with eight brothers and sisters in a town of 300 people, how he found his own way and started asking questions, and how he wooed his wife, Anna, despite what he calls a distinct lack of game. I really encourage you to check out both Liquid Farm and King's Carry, as they both really exemplify how special the Central Coast of California can be. Okay, here's James Sparks. Hi, James. Hello. We just met four minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's right. nice to meet you. <laughs> you as well. Um, your wife, Anna, put me in touch with you because she said, I think that James would be a really good um, subject or guest for the podcast. And I've already seen four minutes that you're going to have good things, <laughs> good things to share. So you are the winemaker at Liquid Farm. In and the and the home of Liquid Farm, I know it's like San Ynez, but where exactly is it? Well, so we make the wine in Lompoc. Oh, okay. And then we just opened a taste room in Los Olivos, mm-hmm. and then uh, the owner Jeff Nelson uh, has a, a house that he rents there by Roblar. So we're kind of all over the place. Okay. So. Yeah, that whole that whole district is you. Yeah. And what kind of wines? What's the focus there? For Liquid Farm, it's Chardonnay, and the uh, bulk of it is Chardonnay. Since mm-hmm. that's uh, Jeff Nelson, the owner, that's his like was his favorite wine, mm-hmm. um, and he did wine sales with like uh, Bouchard, and he was selling Henriot, uh, which is a pretty good sized uh, champagne house mm-hmm. that he kind of put. Uh, he was the sales manager of that for a long time, and so that's what he was drinking. And when he wanted to start his own process, it was Chardonnay based. Okay. And then we brought in some Pinot in 2014. Uh, the Rosé of Mervet, a little bit of Grenache, was 2011, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the focus was Chardonnay, more uh, French driven. So um, I would say alcohol is a little bit more restraint, and the acid is a little bit more mm. elevated. Yeah. So. I have tasted, um, it's funny, I don't think I've ever had the Chardonnay, but uh, one of the rosés I had and it was, I love a good puckery mm-hmm. rosé. Um, and so I remember very fondly having that. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So, uh, but you're also the one man show of King's Carry Wine. That is correct. Okay. And so that, what was the inspiration for starting your own label? Uh, so, I mean, we'll get more into this, I mm-hmm. imagine, with other questions. But my brother-in-law, uh, who is one of the owners of Dragonette Cellars, who kind of got me into this whole 
world of wine mm. in more ways than one. He had some Grenache that they had extra of, and he's like, hey, we'll sell you a ton. I was like, okay. Mm. And that was in 2014, and then um, found some more in 2015, and then 2016 found uh, a new planting called Spear Vineyards that mm. was organically farmed and on like diatomaceous earth and up on the hill. And then you've got another section that just came on in 2017 that was all sandy soil. So he gave me access to rows and constantly like a place to stay, which yeah. is great. So yeah. I was like, all right, going with it. I feel like a lot of winemakers start their own labels because somebody kicks them a little bit of fruit on the side. Yeah. Why does that? It's so funny to me that that's how a lot of really incredible labels begin. I think a lot of it is because there's some years we have a lot of it and mm -hmm. some years we don't. And it just so happened that this was a year that they had a lot of it. And, and it's like, well, we we're, our production can only, we want to keep it at this level. Mm -hmm. You take on one more ton and you add you know, another 24 cases or yeah. 50 or whatever. And maybe they don't have the space or exactly. capacity. Yeah. And so it just becomes like, all right, well, who do we know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how do we've talked a little bit, I know that your background, uh, well, I know a little about your background, but how did you, I mean, where did you grow up? In Idaho. Where in Idaho? Cary, Idaho. That's, that's where the King's Cary came from. Oh. So Kings Point, New York is where Anna is from and oh. I'm from Cary, Idaho. So oh. we just put the two names together and it kind of worked. So, Kings Point. Yeah. I've been there. It's, mm. it's very... I think I've been there once because now her parent, her mom lives in Port Washington, which is yeah. right next to there. So yeah. I think, I think her dad took me there mm. the first time I visited. Okay. But where's Carrie? Uh, are you, how well do you know Idaho? Well, my parents lived in Coeur d'Alene for 12 years. Okay. So that's Northern. I'm Southern. Okay. So you're in like more of the green and the rains and we're in the high desert. <laughs> and how close are you to the border of Utah? Uh, we are probably about. If I'm three to four hours. Okay. Because, I mean, it's always a trek in Idaho wherever you go. It's true. Um, so if you're familiar with, like, Sun Valley, Idaho, we're really close yeah. to Sun Valley. Mm -hmm. um, we're, like, 45 miles, uh, I think it's southeast, roughly. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got Twin Falls and kind of in that area. Yeah. So. And that's, that's ski country. That's yeah. beautiful country. Yeah. Um, I know that you come from a Mormon background. What was that like? That's I, not a big question by any chance, is it? What was it like for you? Well, let's see. That's a good question. Uh, it was interesting. I mean, because I, I have a family of five older sisters and four younger brothers. So, Whoa. yeah. Big family. Yeah. On the farm. Uh, so we had cows and chickens and sheep. Mm. I think we may have had a pig at one time. Some horses every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of dogs. Uh, and so... I mean, because of that background and growing up that way, that's who I am today. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't practice that anymore. Uh, I don't agree with all of the stuff that they were teaching, but it's created who I am. Mm -hmm. So at the time, you, you look back and you're like, okay, that was a simple life. You know, mm -hmm. there were some rules and regulations and some control and some weird philosophies going around. Mm -hmm. But then you have parents who are... And my dad was a smoker, which was, uh, you know, mm. you can't do that in the Mormon church. And mm -hmm. so I think for me, we were always kind of on the outside just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and looking back, that was kind of our saving grace because mm. otherwise we'd probably still be in it. Mm -hmm. I still have two brothers, no, two sisters who are in it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and they're still practicing. They're fine. Yeah. Um, but it's just the rest of us, uh, it's not for us. Mm-hmm. So, What was uh, something that it gave you, a positive thing that it gave you? Because I, I, I identify somewhat. Um, the, the faith of my childhood is not something I necessarily practice anymore, but I do not dispute that it's given me a lot. Yeah. Um, so for you, what would that be like? Uh, you know, if, because I've known a lot more people, I I guess I would have said, well, it gave me the, uh, you know, the honesty and the Mm -hmm. hardworking ethic and the, um, you know, the family support. But then I've met people who've never grown up in a religious standpoint or in the Mormon and they have honesty and they have Mm -hmm. hardworking, you know, they can work hard. And, and so I was like, I mean, I guess for me, it, it, I should bring it back even to a little bit more personal is that I think it gave me what I want spiritually in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I don't agree with that spiritual aspect, I still think that there are is energy in the world. And I like to, I guess I'm drawn to that Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So. I think there are people who are built seeking. Yeah. And I think that if they are part of a, an organized religion that can feed that a lot. Um, but even so, like I said, I'm not practicing anymore, but I still seek so hard. It's like built into me. I can't help yeah. it. And that's why I thought, yeah, having James on would be a really good topic. Cause I really, yeah, I'm just one of those people. I'm never going to be able to stop. Right. Um, and I do think that I still have spiritual practices because, yep. you know, I I have to. I feel like it's just like the water I drink. I need to have some kind of a practice. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that, for me, keeps me moving forward mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Uh, I mean, I don't feel like I'm, a, for lack of a better word, like a sheep that wants to be just led. Uh, I like to kind of find my own way, mm-hmm. question things, and I think that's what makes it interesting is that getting out of that religion is it allowed for me to expand what is out there mm-hmm. uh, instead of being so, I guess, maybe has to be this way. It can be many ways. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what's kind of cool, and just finding that spiritual drive or that spiritual um, path that works for the individual mm-hmm. who is seeking it or who is on that path yeah. instead of like following what someone that is older or younger or, or looks this. exactly like me. Yeah. 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 Do you ever worry about, I, you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. How old is she now? She's four and a half. Okay. Do you ever worry about her not having the stuff that you had in terms of um, structure something to like you as a parent, if you were still a practicing Mormon, you could say, well, this is what's true. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. I mean, don't you think it makes it easier for a parent to be able to do that? I do. I think so. But at the same time, because, um, I don't want to squash her, uh, creativity or Mm -hmm. her own thinking. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I felt like I had a lot of questions, but I was, at least from my standpoint, I've got, I was not able to question things mm-hmm. in a comfortable mm-hmm. environment where it's like, ah, you have to have faith on that. Okay, well, that doesn't Yeah, I got make that answer a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? Okay, but you still didn't answer the question. I still have questions. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me I have to take that on faith. Okay, well, 
that's not working for me. Yeah. And so I think it all depends on the individual. And I think about that with B because she, she is going to grow up in a different world, but because of what I have learned and what my wife has learned, who mm-hmm. also, she didn't grow up. She, her mom is Jewish and her dad is, um, mm-hmm. I think he was Presbyterian or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so they didn't have that structure. Um, mm-hmm. I think her mom had Anna go so she could observe it. Yeah. And then she was like, it, that's not for me. Yeah. So there wasn't that kind of, that well, that very sure structure of right. one belief system. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she's turned out great. She's like honest. Uh, I mean, she's, I've done more substance abuse than she has. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I grew up Mormon. So, you know, and she wow. didn't. So not that yeah. I, I did that just as I got out of it. Yeah. I was much older. So that's probably why I don't do it. Cause I'm yeah. like, Oh, that was interesting, but didn't do anything for me. Except yeah. then I fell into wine. And I was like, Oh, okay. there it is. There's my substance. Yep, yep. Yeah. And coffee. Yeah. Gotta no, have that. Same. So what was the moment that you realized that this wasn't for you anymore? I think it, it was a very long road because uh, I did a two year mission and that was in West Virginia of all places. And yeah. I spent a little bit of time in Virginia, which was interesting, but I was like, the part that I enjoyed most was helping people with, um, whether it was tearing off a roof and helping them put on a new roof. Yeah. It was more of that, um, you're just helping your neighbors. Like and, service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. But we were required to, you had numbers to hit, you had numbers to, or people you had to contact, doors you had to hit, mm-hmm. how many you were doing this, what you were doing. It was very structured and very, um, f- at least in my mind, number um, driven. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I was like, well, I didn't get it at the time. I was didn't understand because we were supposed to be this faith that, you know, didn't care about numbers and was about the individual. Yeah. But then I got there and I'm like, wait, this is more about numbers because yeah. otherwise, I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. We're going out and preaching this, what well, we're supposed to be preaching the word of God when they've already established that they're happy with their, what they have from right. a Godhead figure, I guess. You know? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, this is a little strange. And I think that was the start of it. It, it kind of opened my eyes. Um, I finished it which I didn't want to do. Uh, you it, finished the mission? Yeah, the mm-hmm. full two years. And then it was just, depending on how you look at it, a great uh, uh, traveling separation. Mm. Or if you're from the Mormon side, you're like, wow, you kind of went downhill after that, didn't you? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I absolutely wrestle with that. Yeah. Am I... Uh... Am I falling away or am I falling into something? Like, am yeah. I falling away from from a spiritual connection? Right. And a lot of the time I feel like it's a spiritual connection to myself is really the, the bottom line. Yeah. Or am I falling away from what is me? And I tell you what, it gets really hard to tell. Yeah. It really can. Um, it sounds like your change was far uh, further ago than mine was. Uh, I would say that we, my husband and I, thank goodness we're on the same page because that could have been nice disaster. Yeah. Uh, we, we stopped maybe about seven years ago, something like that. Um, and, uh, gosh, what a hard, it, it really is. Especially with children. That's yeah. been for me, that's been the divining rod is like, how can we raise them if we don't have the okay and not okay list on the fridge? Right. 
that is really, that's a challenge. And I, I worry for them, but I also would way rather worry for them than not be honest with them. Right. Oh, but can you, I mean, those are hard decisions. <laughs> those are such, you choose to worry about them or you choose to, yeah, yeah. not tell them the truth. Right. But like you said, I keep looking around at these amazing, upstanding, contributing to society individuals yeah. who did not grow up with that or even, you know, grew up with a separate kind of a faith and they're still practicing it. I mean, it's just really... I'm starting to think that maybe it's equal across the board. I, I was, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because mm-hmm. I know as many people who practiced what they were supposed to be preaching on Sunday, and then they would go on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you'd be like, oh, who is this person? Yeah, I mean, they're not being honest in their business. They're not being honest in general. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if it really matters to mm-hmm. some extent because everybody's an individual. And I think that's I think what it comes down to is observing your kids and those kids that need that structure, you give them the structure. It doesn't have to be a religious structure, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but sometimes they need the structure Mm -hmm. so then they can kind of feel comfortable. Yeah. And then they can make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And then those that are, don't need the structure are more creative. I don't want to say creative, but more. Like they can roll with or flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got that. And I think that, I don't think religion is going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about, if there's love in the home, I think that will supersede anything. Hmm. Because you have religion and that there's no love in the home whatsoever. And those kids can still be good or they can be bad. Yeah. It really kind of depends. My husband and I talk a lot about how the, you know, for lack of a better word, the rules, you know, whether that's the Ten Commandments or right. whatever you follow. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like those rules did keep me from doing certain things. Yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, uh, I think that a lot of the time I was just sneaking around the rules, (laughs) you know? So, I don't know. It's a tough thing. But I do believe that in life, I do think that rules and structure does manifest creativity. So, um you know, if you put a rule for yourself on making the wine yeah. where you're like, I'm only going to source from this one vineyard. I'm only going to source this one variety, which is exactly what you do. Yeah. That that forces a lot of creativity from you. Yeah, it's true. Because you don't want it to be one dimensional. Right. Yeah. And what I get is what I get. That's where yeah. I mean, also one of the reasons I wanted to do it that way is because Liquid Farm is kind of about blending. Mm. And so I get to pull from different sections of the Santa Rita Hills or different barrels from different vineyards to create a style that, you know, we, the owner kind of set forth in 2009. Mm. So I have a lot of um, options. Mm hmm. Whereas with this, you could look at it as I don't have as many options, mm-hmm. but it also makes me work around those diameters that I have. To right. Work. So, which is kind of fun too. Yeah. So I get to be creative in both sides, which yeah. is nice. In different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your daughter, what do you see that she likes? What kind of a person is she at four and a half? Oh, she's very happy. Like she, Aww. she is just like, and very busy and has a lot of energy. <laughs> you seem like somebody who has a lot of energy too. So yeah, I might, I might. Uh, I feel like when I get home though, I'm so tired. <laughs> I know. I know. And a physical job yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. But she, she, I think she, I don't know. She 
she shows interest in creativity. She, uh, we just got a, a friend of ours gave us a piano, so we just got that oh. in. I got to get it tuned, but she likes pecking away at that. Mm. Um, I have guitars, and she plays with those every now and then. Uh, she likes to read. She likes to write her name. Mm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, the biggest thing is she's just happy. Happy like, kid. Constantly just loving life. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys balance? I mean, Anna works. So how do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do you say you don't know because Anna handles it yeah. or because you can't fathom a way that it could all get done? Yeah, it's both. Uh, yeah. Anna takes care of a lot of it. So when she, when I'm working, she is watching B and, and we just got B into preschool. So that helped last Hooray. year. Yeah, yeah. So a couple hours there. And then I try to get home as quickly as possible. So that I can take over and then she works. Mm -hmm. So weekends, usually she's working and I'm playing with B. Yeah. That's, I know some other families where, especially in wine, it's yeah. a tag team yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you, um, I can't remember if you said it. Yeah. You must've said it, that you, your family, you grew up doing a lot of baking. Yes. Was that the profession? Was that your parents' profession? No, surprisingly, it's just because when you have a lot of kids, you've got to figure out ways <laughs> to feed them. <laughs> Let's bake up some stuff. Yeah, let's just bake. Uh, yeah. and, and then we, because we grew up on the farm, so we had all the vegetables. Uh, we'd plant a garden every year. Mm -hmm. um, for work, my dad worked for the county, so he would uh, do his day job, and then we'd milk cows in the morning, milk them in the evening, mm -hmm. um, take care of the hay. Uh, we did grain as well. And so it was just part of what we did. My mom did actually start a little bakery. Mm -hmm. Um if I remember correctly. Was it like a stand that you guys kind had? Kind of, almost. Mm -hmm. So there used to be a place called Chicken Time, mm -hmm. and it just did chicken in count, town of Cary. This sounds very good. Yeah. I love Chicken yeah. Time already. I know, and I, I think it was good. I don't know why they closed it. I mean, I think the family changed, and then the... I don't know. Just wasn't Chicken Time yeah, anymore. It wasn't. And when you have a town of 300 people, you can... 300 people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's tiny. Did everybody know everybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, my... Yeah. That's oh, yeah. awesome. Bulk of it was Mormon. So, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of Did you have a uh, a church in town? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we had two churches in town, but I don't know what the other one was. Yeah. I don't think anybody visited. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we Very had lonely pastor yeah. priest over there. Right. Because I think we said, well, you've got the LDS church, you've got that church. I don't know what it was. And then you got the sports shop. So, I guess we had three. Sports shop? Yeah, so it was a place oh, for funny. the nun or the inactive Mormons to go get a beer, have a smoke, and drink. Oh, that's so, so funny. Yeah, we had them. There. So the bakery, did your mom take over the chicken oh, time place? So that closed, and that was vacant for a while, and then uh, she opened one. But uh, she... I think, well, I know she has too big of a heart, so mm. we didn't do very well on that. I mean, yeah. I remember as a kid walking in there, not understanding the concept of, well, if I eat that, it has to, someone's paying for it. Yeah, got to like, come from somewhere. Got to come from and yeah. yeah, so we didn't do very well. Yeah. But it was fun. She did a lot of baking, uh, bread, pastries. Like, um, I remember the cinnamon twists mm. and a lot of stuff that was more uh, yeast-driven. Mm -hmm. And so then when Anna and I started our little one, it was more... Um, Less of the yeast and more Wait, of the what natural. do you mean your little one? Do oh, you have a bakery? Uh, no, it kind of stopped because okay. it was about the time that uh, I was transitioning. Well, it was just weird timing. So mm. I was complaining a lot about not getting good bread. 
Mm. And so she's like, stop complaining and make some. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's fair. That's uh, practical. Yeah. So yeah. I did. And then people liked it. And so we started a little the home bakery thing. Wow. And uh, then it got really busy because Anna got the word out. And they're like, oh, we want to come and pick this up. We're like, uh, we don't have a storefront. So yeah. you've you got to give us some time. And it got confusing. And then I took over as a liquid farm winemaker in 2013. And it was like... I could, I just couldn't do both. No. So was it like sourdough, sour starter mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yep. Really. Yep. So are you still doing that? Uh, not as much as I. Not as much. No. Yeah. Uh, every now and then I'll make some pizza or I'll do a couple loaves. It just kind of mm-hmm. depends on what my Saturday is like. Right. And as uh, as B gets older and she gets a little bit taller, we'll start probably moving in towards that because mm-hmm. she does help. It's just very challenging. You, you mean a asking a child to help? Yeah. With, oh, with it baking. is. You're like, you, you have, have to be have in so the much, right. Yes. <laughs> if you're not in the right frame of mind, it's like, okay, give me that. I'm just going to take yeah. over. Yeah. 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 There's just, it's a lot of work. Yes. So, and I, I don't want to squish that and be like, Mm-mm. don't do that. It's yeah. like, okay, I just got to stay calm. Let the flower girl where the flower may. Right. <laughs> so I'm thinking because we're about to, um, demolish our kitchen in the next several days that maybe I will let the kids just bake up a storm because oh, what do I care? Yeah. It's all going to get torn Exactly. <laughs> Now's the time to do it. I know. And you can get uh, it out of your system. You can yeah. be like, all right, go. Done. Have fun. I know. And I thought about you coming over today and I was like, what's even the point in sweeping the floor? I mean, <laughs> there's no point. So I'm sorry about the floor, oh, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even notice. You should see, I was just complaining about our place. And we just have one. But yeah. I can't keep up with that little whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, our floors are really dirty. But if I take the time to clean, mm. it's not going to stop. No. And then it takes time from like me hanging out with B or not yeah. B not bothering Anna so Anna can work. So yeah. it's just finding that balance. Totally. And maybe that's the answer, balance Yeah. in all things. Yeah. So you have some of the structure, you have some of the And looseness. then you let go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever found that balance, ever. I get very close but then something changes. Oh my gosh. I, I was looking recently because we had those earthquakes. Oh yeah. Um, I read some story. I can't remember where it was. And it said that, you know, the fact that the plates are always shifting. Um, and if you look at, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but the original globe where the one landmass, you yes. know, there's a name for it. Yeah. I don't it was a long time ago. A long time yeah. ago. Um, <laughs> but if you, if you think about the fact that everything's moving, it's such a good reminder that, nothing ever sits still nothing no. no so i don't really i'm not very comfortable with that to be honest yeah but you know what's great is it's out of your control yeah so yeah. you just have to go well i don't like it but nothing i can do nothing about it. i can do I want to take a minute to share about one of my supporters on the Consumed podcast if you're listening you're probably a fan of good food and good people right Well, coming soon, the San Luis Obispo Public Market at Long Bonetti Ranch will bring fresh flavor, fresh faces, and fresh inspiration to the Central Coast. Let me tell you, this is going to be a very big deal. Long Bonetti Ranch was established in 1880 and is named after George W. Long and Florino Bonetti. The ranch housed horses and dairy cows and produced grain, veggies, and flowers. The Slow Public Market will honor the Long and Bonetti family legacies with local purveyors of different foods and ingredients, ranging from a brewery and a cheese shop to tacos, coffee, ice cream, juices, spirits, and my personal obsession, bao buns. There's lots more to come, and it's all coming very soon. To learn more about the Slow Public Market, 
or for information on becoming a merchant there, visit slowpublicmarket.com. How did you and Anna meet? Uh, so the Dragon at Sellers Tasting Room, mm-hmm. I was, uh, so when I got started, like, uh, that was in 2009, uh, came in, helped them, and then they opened a tasting room, and then I, they hired me full-time, I think, was that 2010 or 2011? And that's, you said, is it your brother-in-law? Yeah, so my brother-in-law who married my sister, who mm-hmm. also lives in the valley, uh, oh. there in, uh, Solvang, um, he has two friends, uh, John and Steve Dragonette. Hmm. So the, they all partnered up. That's the coolest last name ever. That's why they used it. They're like, yeah, uh, Sparks Gillis, and eh, that's okay. No but Dragonette. Dragonette. I mean, that's a, a little no-brainer. dragon. Yes, little petite dragon yeah, sounds so, awesome. Yeah. So they were like, uh, I think John was. I don't know if I remember this correctly, but he was like, I don't know if I want to use my name, but mm. it's it works for yeah. what they're doing, and it's um, it's good for them. Yeah, um, but they started that, and then they hired me, and I was switching between winery and tasting room. And then Anna walked in, and I, hmm. coming from that background of Mormon small town, um, yeah, I'm not very good with that whole dating stuff and meeting. And what do you mean? Um, I just didn't have, a, for lack of a better word, I didn't have any game. Like my game didn't exist. Oh, <laughs> so it is, it is what We it call is. you No Game James. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it comes down to. And so she walked in with a guy, um, uh, and she, I was like, oh, she's great, but mm. she's with someone. So I'm like, mm-hmm. that's it. And then I thought nothing of it. And then she came back in, made it clear this time she was not with that guy. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll at least give you my phone number. And yeah. I went down to LA and. Yeah, she's hates me ever since. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Good for you yeah. for giving her your yeah. number. Yeah, or maybe she gave me hers first. Well. Either way, one of us got You made it. it. Yeah. My husband and I um, met uh, because we were both dating other people. Huh. And uh, I was with his really good friend, and um, he was with another person. And we traveled to San Francisco together, and I hung out with Jacob, Um and really liked him a lot, but you know, he was taken. Right. Um, it's amazing how that starts to not matter. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but it just, and, and I really loved his girlfriend, really respected her and enjoyed hanging out with her. But, um, yeah, it became kind of clear that we were all paired up wrong. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of a rocky time, but Maybe more so for them than for us. I think we were pretty happy. <laughs> and here it is, you know, 17 years later. I don't know if anybody's thinking about it anymore, but gosh, it's so, I'm so glad I took a chance. I actually told him yeah. that I have a crush on you. And um, yeah, and he was pretty stunned. Really? He didn't talk the rest of the night. And I thought, oh, he doesn't <laughs> like me. Oh, I messed it up. Oh, and no. he was just so, yeah, he was really surprised. That's hilarious. I know. I know. Um, let's see. I was going to ask you about, well, let's talk about these wines that you brought. Thank you so much for oh, sharing you're with very me. Welcome. So you picked out to pour a 2018 Semillon from Kingscary. Yes. And wait, before you talk about anything, the labels on this wine. Yes. This is some Hotsi Totsi artist I know, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so bad with names. Oh, shame Hawk on you. Rail? Unless I'm saying it wrong. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I may have to Hawk Crawl. Out. That, Am it? I right? I think so. Okay. I think so. Because it so reminded bad. me of the names of two people I know. 
Um, look at you looking it up on your phone. Yeah, I, uh, I have no choice because I'm so. Well, you bad. better get it right. Yeah, I know that would be really yeah, bad. You better get it right. But it's it's like I've never met him. I've only talked to him, and it's it's one of Anna's cont. Oh, it's probably on the label. Is isn't it here? It? I think so. <laughs> Oh, how funny. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. It's his little, uh, he's got his little uh, initials on the front. HK. Okay. okay. It is, so if you, because you obviously can't see this, um, <laughs> if you're listening, it's got this almost, it almost has like a Simpsons vibe to it, but but cooler than that. Well, and that was kind of the idea. Cartoonish. Yeah. We, yeah. I, this, uh, uh, yeah. Crawl. So you were right. I was right. Boom. Yeah. And this was one of Anna's contacts. Yeah, well, so she... She knew him through the foodie world, and mm-hmm. uh, he does like different magazines and does a lot of. That's right. Stuff. He's an illustrator yeah, for a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. And so she, uh, when we started this, she wanted something a little bit more fun, a little mm-hmm. bit more edgy, and also because we're close to the water, she grew up on the water. And let's mm-hmm. be honest, I don't doesn't have a lot that we could do. Right. So we were like, all right, well, let's do more of the nautical theme. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have seagulls, so we threw that in there, and then I have French fries. <laughs> Because seagulls love French fries. They certainly do, annoyingly so, yeah. I would say. And, and I love French fries. They are. Oh, well, great. sure. <laughs> but I like that this label is so, it is different than any other. Yeah. I have a thing for labels. Um, and th- that's yeah. kind of what she wanted, something different. And, mm-hmm. it, and it, uh, we also, from, this is what I put it towards, both of our dads were older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I remember my dad always seeming to have, or at least in my memory, this interesting view of old signs, like from hmm. the 1960s, like those old neon signs. Right. And so... Marquee. Yeah. And I think she had kind of the same thing. And that's where we wanted to do that kind of style, mm-hmm. which is a little more cartoonish, a little bit more bigger. And, mm. you know, that if we put lights on it, it'd probably be hilarious. Yeah. So, I think it's so cute. Up every now and then. I'm also looking at the alcohol is 12%. Are yeah. they all that low? Uh, this one, these are 13.5. Okay. Uh, so they're not big guys by any means. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm lightweight. And yeah. So, same. Yeah. I'm like, if I, that's why I don't want a rosé that's like 13, 14%. No. I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me. Rosé is supposed to be any time wine. So. Right. If we're going to drink it, I want it to be nice and light. Totally. And like I can have some at lunch and then go back to work. Yeah. So. Do you feel like that? Well, I'm not going to ask you. I For me, <laughs> I, that changed when I had kids. I don't know what happened, but, or maybe it was when I turned 40. I can't metabolize. I, I mean, I think that's normal. Yeah. Your metabolism gets a little more yeah. sluggish. So I can, I mean, drinking anything is really tough for me. I have to choose very wisely. Ah, I have, because it's probably one glass that I can do. Right. Um, I don't drink as much as I used to because I, I just can't quite make it. Right. I start to feel like, ooh, I've gone too far. But one glass of wine is almost nothing. But that's perfect. Do you think? Yeah. Then you can still keep, you can save that bottle till tomorrow. That's true. And drink another glass. That's true. <laughs> hey, you say on, on your back label, I'm always interested in this, you say little to no manipulation. Yes. How true is that? Because winemakers say that a lot. And yeah. I'm not a winemaker. What, I mean, how does that actually play out? Well, and I think that is where it depends on what type of manipulation you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Are we adding acid? Are we adding sugar? Are we adding yeast? Are we adding um, enzymes? You know what I mean? You can add like a, so many things. And you, still, and it's still legal? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it's crazy what you can do because it's alcohol, so you don't really have to worry about it. Does everybody do that secretly? 
I don't think so, to okay. be honest. Okay. I think it's a lot of your big, like huge houses mm -hmm. will probably do that because you you're bringing in tons and tons. I mean, Liquid Farm is around four to five thousand cases, so oh, I get small. to know each barrel. Yeah, uh, and King's Carry is like under five hundred. So wow. this small. Oh, yeah. You're sharing with me. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. B but I think the, and, but if you're talking manipulation, as soon as I bring it in and as soon as I press it off or as soon as I destem it, I'm manipulating it. Yes. As soon right. as I cool it down, I'm manipulating. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that, yes, we are going to do. We're going to mm -hmm. press it. I foot stomp those for about eight hours and then they get pressed off. Wow. This gets destemmed and it spends about three weeks in a stainless steel uh, fermentation bin that I punch down. He's talking about the Grenache, yeah, by the way. The Grenache, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, but after that, it's, I rely on the vineyards to, to get them to where they need to be. And mm -hmm. then I just pick accordingly to what works for kind of the style we're going for, whether it be liquid farm or what works for me as far as my palate and what I want to drink mm -hmm. um, for my own personal stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think manipulation at, at a level, I mean, even at 10,000 cases, most people probably aren't going to do that because mm. they don't necessarily have to and they're paying attention. Yeah. But definitely at our level, we're, we're watching the vineyards. I'm out there regularly um, in the mornings, early, checking flavors. So mm. as long as I pay attention, I don't have to manipulate. And yeah. I, for me, that's the goal because I'm not a chemist. So yeah. I'm relying on my palate. Um, and if I have to really do something, I'm going to be in trouble. Because yeah. I don't have that background or that knowledge. And I don't yeah. really want it. It's interesting um, to think, I'm, I'm just reminded of a, there are two terms that the French have for a wine that comes from, straight from the earth, where the vineyard really does, you know, do most of the manipulation. And then there's a term, and that's called vin de terroir. Yeah. But then there's another term, maybe you know it, for when it comes from the vineyard and it's clean. It's not like the fruit is, you know, not not great, yeah. still great fruit, but there's this mark, a stamp of the winemaker. I think it's called, oh, it's like Van de Vigneron, something oh, like something that. Something like that, yeah. So you've heard of that yeah, before. Yeah, Which I love that concept. I like that neither of them is the preferred. It's really like an you can have this or you can have that. I think we talk a lot, um, especially in California, about it's such a thing to say it's made in the vineyard and, you know, that the winemaker didn't do anything, but I really appreciate you saying the moment I chill it down, I'm manipulating it. Yeah. Um, and so some wines are more manipulated within the context of what's, you know, healthy and accepted. And, yeah. you know, there's a great winemaker. Um, I love his stuff. Um, Paul Wilkins, maybe, you know, him, he's, He's actually uh, James Onaveros, who was on last season. Oh, he yeah, worked yeah, with him a okay. lot. That's why that name sounded so yeah. familiar. Or somebody okay. like Kenneth Volk, who yeah. started in the lab. And so he has that chemist's yeah. understanding. Um, so anyway, I do like it when somebody puts their stamp on it. Um, but I also like it. I like it when it's just coming from, you know, it all depends. The yeah. year and the fruit and everything. Yeah, everything. But then again, you could go back to the stamp. I mean, because I'm the one that decides when to pick. Right, you know, yes. So I'm going to have my stamp on it no matter what because mm -hmm. it's whatever flavors I'm getting in my crazy brain. Yeah. 
How did you develop? I mean, how does somebody who's just working, not to say just working, but you were working kind of in a, a smaller position when you came to Dragonet, and that was your first wine yeah, that experience? Was, yeah, I didn't even really drink wine before yeah. that. I mean, I didn't start drinking until I was 28, so that's like 14 years ago. Did you need a job, and that's why you went there? Uh, I was actually at the time doing more like computer stuff, so oh. uh, working on website, things like that. So yeah. I had some freedom, and I was just... I did construction, so mm -hmm. I was in Idaho, helped my parents with some stuff, did a job there, and then I was like, all right, I'm done. I need to do something different. Mm -hmm. And that's when the website stuff was starting to take a little bit more hold, and Brandon's like, hey, I need some help. And I didn't want to live in L.A. because it's a yeah. little bit crazy for it's me. too far. I mean, going from Cary, yeah. Idaho to L.A. Yeah. could be and a I, bit of whiplash. It is, and I did it for a while, and I was like, I don't want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And I was just in that transition. And Brandon, that was his first year going full-time with Dragonette. And so he's like, just come up and help. He'd been get, trying to get me to help with the whole wine since 2004. Hmm. To me, it was 2005. It was a long time. And I was like, eh, I don't get it. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. Not my thing. But he was the one that like, try this. Smell this. So what this. did he have you try that um, changed, that did this, the switch flip? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it was a combination of a bunch of different things. And mm -hmm. finally, because at the beginning, all I got was alcohol. Like I couldn't yeah. get past. I'm like, well, this smells like alcohol to me. Yes. And then it slowly evolved because he was like, okay, well, look for other things. Get past the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Or it just also became better balanced wines. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of depends. You know, the alcohol can be hidden really well if yeah. it's done right. Um, and I would... <laughs> I don't have one. I mean, I remember a Syrah from uh, Torbrick that we had, but that mm. was after we'd already been working for like six months. Um, mm -hmm. The one, I think it was just a combination of him constantly, hey, try this, mm -hmm. try this. And it was it was like that, that perfect storm where I finally got out of the church completely, mm -hmm. said I was done. And then I took up, because I can't do beer. It just doesn't work for yeah. me. I never got into it. And I'm not going to get it. It took me a it. long time. Yeah. It took me drinking a lot. My husband worked for a brewery in New Zealand when we were there and he would bring home half bottles. Yeah. And so, you know, we'd try and it's exactly like what you're describing where somebody, the person who's making it is right there and is willing to walk you through. Here's why this is different. Yeah. And I'll tell you at the end of that six months in New Zealand, I really liked beer um, and I appreciated it in a way that I hadn't ever before. And I was drinking some pretty heavy stuff, but not a lot of it. Not right. like, you know, what they call sessioning. Right. I love that that word, that is a euphemism <laughs> if ever there was one, sessioning Session. beer. That's awesome. Give me a break. Uh, anyway, yeah, so. But it's kind of that same concept. So no beer for you. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I tried, I tried, and That's I finally, right. like, I'm done. Like, I get this, it works for me, yeah. it works for my body. Yeah. Um, and I like it. Mm -hmm. For if I'm gonna do bubbles, I'm gonna go champagne. Yeah, right. So Oof. not gonna waste my time on beer. Mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh gosh, that makes me so happy. Even talking about bubbles makes me like, I know it, excited. It, it, anything <laughs> when you add bubbles is like, oh, life is good. What is that? Yeah, it's awesome. It's fresh. It's fun. It all the flavors and the mm. snows, the smells are heightened by the bubbles. It's awesome. Mm. You just can't beat it. So. You know the author Anne Lamott. I don't think I do. Oh, she's so great. She talks a lot about faith. She has, I'm going to butcher it, but she says something like joy is, um, oh no, it's something about effervescent laughter, oh. like something bubbling up mm -hmm. and just, you know, grace is like that. You know, when you get that moment of 
it just escapes you without you even thinking about yeah. it. And so I think about champagne. Bubbles are just, they're festive. Yes, they No really matter are. how you think of it. Yeah. Um, have you tasted a lot of stuff outside of our area? Not as much well, as you I said would like. Australian, Semyon. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I tend to, um, because of my day job, which is the liquid farming, I want to keep that more uh, driven by uh, or inspired by French wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tend to drink more of those just to keep my mind fresh yeah. and ideas open so that I don't get necessarily put into the place that we don't want to be. Um, what do you mean by that? Because uh, it's very easy to go bigger wines uh, and have that acid mm. drop down just a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because it, it it really, I think for me, I have to be uh, on top of my game in order to be restrained, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's true. You, we do tend to go bigger and bigger and bigger. It can, it can um, creep. The scale yes, can creep. Very sure. quickly. And so I want, I, so I keep, I want to taste more from other areas and I've done okay. It's mm-hmm. just that it's, I slack in that area, just mm-hmm. to be honest. Like yeah. I, I'm, I have, I finally traded some wines with, um, the story of so- soil and then, mm-hmm. uh, Wayne, uh, it's Waylon, not Wayne, Waylon. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Cause then now I can taste what they're doing and mm-hmm. taste kind of see what's going on in the valley, which mm-hmm. is kind of fun. And I, I should do more of that. Like there's some great people here in Slow, yeah. and I never come up and I need mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Uh, like Ann Albert, uh, if I'm saying. Yes, he lives in this neighborhood. Ah, we see him at guy. Lincoln he's Deli so all the time. Nice. Oh, he's such a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And makes great stuff. But yeah, yes. um, slow coastal influenced mm-hmm. stuff is going to be different in a lot of ways from like Santa Maria Valley. Yeah. Um, now, and tell me, I'm not even letting you open these bottles. I'm asking oh, you so many questions. We can open some more. Open. All right. We'll do a, a speed round here. Okay, that works. Um, you also have, so the three that you have, are, it's a rosé, Grenache rosé? Correct. Okay. And then um, this Pierre Semillon and yes. then Grenache, and you're yep. opening the 2018. Yep. Okay. S- 16 and 17. I'm sorry, the 2016 yep. Yep. and then the 17. Um, How were these two years different to your mind? So for me, because... Um, you know, for Santa Rita Hills, we have very similar weather. Like we've got the fog influence. We've got that, the breeze that keeps it nice and cool. That marine layer that yeah. blows in. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and so 16, we just moved from Buellton to Lompoc. So that was a challenge in itself. Uh, but as far as the growing year, it was, we, we were just coming off of that um, drought. Um, yeah. Oof. So we got a little bit of rain. Yeah. Which, hopefully that's... Yeah, okay. I wanted to make sure I did 16. And yeah. I, if I pour too much, uh, you... Please feel free. Oh, yeah. Me. No, I have right. no problem with that. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I love Grenache. And I think with 16, it was the first year off from that fruit. So it's a very young vineyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm super happy with how fun it is for mm-hmm. the fruit that's there. Um, I think that as far as a year goes, it, it reminded me probably... It was probably like 14. It wasn't like super hot, but it wasn't super cold either. Yeah. And then in 17, we had like five days of warm, warm weather. Yeah. It just wrecked havoc on, on a vineyard so young, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. The older vines can handle a little bit more, mm-hmm. but that heat, I mean, it could only do what you could do. It's like young people. Mm-hmm. It's like adolescents. 
They get yes, crazy. They do. If you give them enough space. Exactly. So yeah. It's always good to give them in that little, little box. Bit of, <laughs> a little like bit of... I'm seeing a theme yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I love... I love Grenache. I forget how much I love it. You have not blended anything into this. No, okay. No. Because that was one of the things... Mm. Whoops. Making a mess over here. That's right. I wanted to make sure is to keep it simple. Because with... Again, with Liquid Farm, it's all... It's a lot of blending. And so I just wanted to... It's like, all right, I already hit those vineyards, uh, so it's convenient for me. I'm not going out of my way. Uh, King's Carry kind of became a challenge and a convenience at the same time mm. because I'm only dealing with one vineyard, one varietal. Mm-hmm. So I have to pick different times or make a decision off of what the rest of the blend's going to kind of be like. And with 17, I was like, oh, man, I missed the boat on that one. Mm. But then I did a blend. I put them all together, all the few barrels that I had, and I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We can work with that. Oh, very so. cool. Very cool. So, yeah, there is a stamp. There's a human stamp on yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I I hate making tasting notes because I know I'm going to be – what I taste is going to be completely different from the next person. But – I mean, like, it's just juicy. I love the color. It's super light. Because mm-hmm. um, Grenache can go a lot of different ways. I'm trying to think, where do they do really beefy Grenache? Well, Paso Robles a lot Paso. of the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, even France for their uh, Chateauneuf de Pop. Yeah. Those can be big, bold wines for yeah. sure. Yeah. And for me, I wanted to do something, because we are considered a cool climate. Mm-hmm. So I wanted oh, to totally. kind of represent that a little bit and give that fruit a little bit more restraint than what mm-hmm. I could do. Mm-hmm. And, and the vineyard too, I think it needs some time to mature. Yeah. And as it gets more mature, I'm going to see more complexity, more depth. Whoa, uh, look at the color of that. Yeah. It's completely so, different. Yeah. So with 17, uh, a lot of stuff needed to come in mm. at different times, but I was not set up to cold soak as long as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so that changed the color aspect. Yeah. And then when you bring fruit in that's a little bit warmer, it starts fermenting right away. So am I right in, in understanding that if you're not cold soaking it for as long, it doesn't have the same amount of skin contact? Is that Correct. what we're saying? And okay. so we get less color. Yes, okay. So, and But once it starts fermenting, you're pretty much whatever's there. Yeah. You're not going to really get much more con- right. skin contact. And so 17, it kind of, it, it went. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I love lighter wines. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love a good like petite Syrah. Mm-hmm. I will drink that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've mentioned before on this podcast, I, I feel like my taste gets lighter and lighter as time goes by. Well, and for me, I think it's also food is kind of the key. Mm-hmm. Um, when Brandon was sharing the wines with it, it was always with food. It was never by itself. Mm-hmm. And so I got it into my head of like food and wine, food and wine, food and wine. Yeah. Um, so when I make wine, I want to make wine that is food friendly. Mm-hmm. So if you have a big, and again, there's a place and time for all wines, whether big or light, it just kind of depends. Yeah. But for me, when I'm drinking a lighter style, it's so much easier for me to pair with different foods yeah. and not overwhelm the food so that there's a balance there and... Uh, both things can shine. Yeah. So, you know, I'm probably over speaking here, but I'm pretty sure the U S is one of the only places, if not the only place that people drink without eating. Mm. You know, you picture, um, say you're going to a barbecue with friends. Mm. 
uh, backyard barbecue, they'll have, people will be drinking without eating. Yes. Um, and you picture kind of like a cocktail party in a movie. People aren't necessarily (laughs) eating. They've got glasses and that is not common really anywhere else. So it makes a big difference. The kind of stuff in your glass will taste completely different if you're drinking it on its own and you'll be on the floor in no time. Um, as to whether you're drinking it with something paired. Um, yeah, which is one of the other guests for this season, um, the owners of Flower House Restaurant here in town, an Italian, true Italian restaurant. We were talking about aperitivo hour in Italy, which is, you know, they would never give you a glass of wine without something to eat. So they always offered these, you know, almost like a buffet of stuff that comes with your drink. Yeah, they'll They'll do it no matter what. So I completely agree. And both of these wines, the Grenache that you poured... They both have really high acid, which yeah. is food friendly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. What would you, um, let's say it's your last day on earth Ooh. and you're, <laughs> you're eating the thing that you most, either that jogs some memory for you, evokes a happy time, um, or just tastes extremely good. What are you eating and what are you drinking with it? Boy. Well, because we have to go back to champagne, so Mm -hmm. that has Mm -hmm. to be in the picture. Because I've had some pretty fun experiences with champagne and hot dogs, and I'm not a hot dog person. Now, tell me about that. Yeah. How does that work? What is it about that? I don't know. I guess (laughs) the saltiness from the the pig or the beef or however they're set. And the fat. Yeah, it just works really well. And then you Mm. have your fillings of cheese and mustard and ketchup and... Mm. Whether it's you could have anything on the hot dogs, but mm. when we we're I was in London and they have this place called Bubble Dogs and it's like champagne and hot dogs. I'm like, <gasps> I don't like hot dogs, but my goodness, I like champagne and hot dogs. It's a whole place devoted to that. Yeah, Is that a common pairing that I don't know about? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Some brilliant English person. Came well, up she's with from it. California, and oh, she really? married an English guy, and they're over there. So he does like the four star, three star Michelin style yeah. restaurant, and she does the bubble dogs. Oh, I love so, it. Yeah, so I probably, I mean, do I get a twenty four hour period, or my twelve hours, or let's see, <laughs> <laughs> do I get all day? Let's say it's your final meal, and one of the courses is your bubble dog. Uh, okay, and then I, I don't know. I think I would have to do. I've been really enjoying my meatballs as of late, mm-hmm. and then with an Italian wine, mm-hmm. I can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even the Grenache goes really well yep. for me. It, the we do these turkey meatballs, and I've I'm been, making turkey meatballs tonight. Oh my goodness, I love it, and so I should have it with the Grenache. Yeah, why not? Okay, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've done it quite a few times. Packed with herbs. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of fun. Um, yeah. So I'd probably do that and. Yeah. And a good bread. Oh, yeah. I'd probably make my bread. Mm. So a little rustic style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fabulous. It's so lovely talking to you, James. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank so. you for taking time out to do that. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for joining me on Consumed. To get the latest in what's going on with the podcast, sign up for the Consumed newsletter at letsgetconsumed.com or follow me on Instagram at Jamie C. Lewis. Until next time. I'm Jamie Lewis.